Good morning. I am really, really glad to be here with you today. We're glad that all of you are here. Glad to have my daughter and son-in-law and grandbabies here with us today. And uh, for all of you who are watching who are not able to be here, we hope you're enjoying worshiping the Lord this morning. You know, the Lord has given us a, a wonderful, wonderful life, hasn't he? We've been blessed so much. And, you know, we can be caught up in all the stuff that goes on around us right now and the negativity that really seems to dominate a lot of things. But uh, God has truly, truly blessed us. I, I want you to know I've enjoyed the service this morning, the songs. I've enjoyed singing these songs, and I've, I love Danny's prayer. I'm always edified by the prayers that Danny leads. And now I hope we're going to talk about something that will uh, maybe edify you a little bit in your living through this world that we live in today. This are... This are... Boy, I'm starting rough, aren't I? These are some pictures that just come out of the headlines of today. This is the world we're living in right now, and it's a it's a turbulent, troubling time. We've got we've got coronavirus stuff. We've got people hoarding toilet paper, although I think most of that hoarding is over. Uh, we've got warnings constantly about the stock market's going to crash again, and uh, we've got people marching in the streets for social justice. We've got uh, Capitol Hill autonomous zone type things that are going on where people are defunding police and getting rid of law enforcement. We've got uh, riots where there's violence and looting. We've got uh, economic bailouts and we've got cancel rent movements and we've got all kinds of stuff going on in this world right now that is unusual to us. I've not lived through a lot of this. Now I was young when they had riots in Los Angeles. I remember some of that but this stuff being nationwide, worldwide and how it's impacting and affecting, it's affecting our lives. You know we started this, Matt do you remember when we started doing our abbreviated, you know, smaller service, went March, wasn't it? In March, April, May, June, July now. And we're thinking, okay, this may last three or four weeks or six or eight weeks. And here it's, I don't know if you watch the news, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. And, you know, when we started worshiping again together, we had a, a swell of probably 70% of our regular crowd come back. And now... We're back. Uh, we're going back the other direction. A lot of people are afraid and they're staying home. Things are just different. And when I look at this, I think, what should we think about all this? I mean, what should we do? How should we respond to all these kinds of things? You know, one of the very obvious choices or decisions that's had to be made over the last four months or so is what about church? What are we going to do about church? There's been a lot of different ideas. We've had uh, places that canceled services. We've had places that said we are open for worship because the First Amendment of the Constitution provides that we can do that, and we're going to keep having all of our services. We've got places that have had drive-in church and Facebook Live church and Zoom church and 
We've had all kinds of different solutions that people have come up with due to this present distress of how we're going to handle worship services. And I want you to know that I've been very, very proud of my brothers and sisters in the church over this because I've not heard one congregation or one individual who has said, you know what, this is the only way to do it, and if you don't do it this way, you're not faithful to God. I've not heard that from anyone. Now, I have heard people who have very strong opinions. I've heard people who say, I will never change my mind about live streaming or whatever it might be. Okay, that's fine, but they're not enforcing that opinion on other people. That's been good. But you know, that's not, it's not all like that. I may have mentioned here before, I've looked at Facebook more since this pandemic thing happened than because we do Facebook Live broadcasting here, and that's a great benefit to us. I'm thankful we have that available to us. But you know, some of the things I see that people who claim to be Christians post, not just on Facebook, but on any social media, are shameful. These are some of the things I've seen just recently. The United States of America is a constitutional republic, not a democracy. There's a huge difference between the two types, and I'm tired of mental midgets who refuse to learn the difference. Posted by a Christian toward other Christians. Really? Horrible people reveal themselves in times of crisis. A response to someone, something someone said that they didn't like. I just went to a crowded Red Robin and I'm 30. It was delicious and I took my sweet time eating my meal because this is America and I'll do what I want. I can do anything I want to do. It's America. If an elderly person you love dies, please remember the person who infected them probably had your exact same narcissistic, sociopathic values. Really? You know, we've had a lot of good with people having tolerance with other people, but there's a lot of junk like this. And I think about this stuff, and I, it bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you. You may go, oh, I got them good. I don't know. But this kind of stuff bothers me. Unless I'm missing something, these kinds of comments really miss the heart of Christianity and what we as Christians should do. I want to show you a, a situation where Jesus was asked about political issue, the political issue which has been an issue as long as there have been governments, and that is should we pay taxes. And they asked him, should we pay taxes? Now this was a setup because they believed if Jesus said, yes, we should pay taxes, all the Jews around him who didn't believe they ought to pay taxes to Rome would get upset with Jesus. But if he says, no, we shouldn't pay taxes, then they can go to the Roman emperor and, or the Roman pontiff there in the area and they can get Jesus in trouble. So they said, should we pay taxes? And look at Jesus' answer. The Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him and in his talk, and they sent, him, sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, 
what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now what does that mean? I mean, what was Jesus saying? I read several things about this when I was studying several different commentaries and things. And, uh, some people really want to change the force. Well, Jesus wasn't talking. Jesus was answering the question about taxes, and he was saying, yes, you pay taxes. He was talking about that. But there's something more important in this. And that's something more important is he's saying, if it has Caesar's image on it, it belongs to Caesar. But if it has God's image, it belongs to God. You give God what belongs to him just like you give Caesar what belongs to him, what is owed to him. Okay? Well, what belongs to God? What has God's image on it? You know, the Bible says God, it doesn't have flesh and blood, right? So there's no physical image of God. So what has God's image on it? Well, those of you who are Christians and read your Bible much, you know where we're going. In Genesis Chapter 1, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. The reality is, and the truth is, what Jesus is saying to his followers and those who were listening, even his enemies at that point, is he's saying, listen, these two things don't go together. One's worldly and physical and one's spiritual. And the stuff that's worldly and physical, if it's got Caesar's picture on it, give it to Caesar. That doesn't matter. But if it's got God's image, you give it to God. And that with God's image is you. The thing that bothers me so much about these Facebook posts and Twitter feeds and all these things that some of them I showed you earlier, the thing that bothers me so much about that is that when I read those, it seems like it never crosses these people's minds who claim to be Christian to ask before they post, is this what Christ would have me say in response to this other person? Does this honor God in any way? Am I surrendering or submitting myself to God by doing this? You know, all people are created in the image of God. All people are. That's why Jesus said to love your enemies. That's why in, jo uh, in Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, God said that it's sin to commit murder. You know why He tells us that? He said, because the man you murder is made in the image of God. And it's sin to strike against the image of God. People have in them, in you, the image of God. And that's, that's all people bear God's image. In Acts 17, he says, God has made from one blood, blood every nation of men. Now you cannot turn on the TV or the radio without hearing about Black Lives Matter. Can you? Can you turn it on? You can't. 
I, I like to listen to sports radio, and I want to tell you, if it doesn't have to do with Black Lives Matter, they just don't talk about it anymore on sports radio. Do Black Lives Matter? Absolutely. Do red lives matter? Yellow lives? White lives? White lives, not white lies. <laughs> the truth is, God doesn't judge people by the color of their skin, and neither should we, good or bad. God judges people by their character. Now, my response to this is many times a reaction to the response of other people to it. You've heard the old phrase, extremes beget extremes. Hate begets hate. When I see somebody marching and they've got hate, regardless of what issue they're marching on, and they've got hatred toward me, it's really hard for me not to react in kind. Isn't it to you? I mean, it's easy for me to be nice when I go to a restaurant and they go, it's our pleasure to serve you. Welcome. Come on. It's not easy when somebody goes, yeah, what do you want? That's hard for me to be kind in response to that. But you see, we as God's people are different than the world. We're supposed to be different than the world. We're not supposed to be like everyone else. And it doesn't matter whether there's 20 of us here or 2,000 of us here. We're supposed to be different than the world that we're in. People say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but you know what? I have my rights. What are rights? You know, the definition of rights is a moral or legal entitlement to have or obtain something or to act in a certain way. So what that means is morally or legally, I have the right, we say. I have an entitlement. It's my right to have something or to act in a certain way. So let me ask you this question. What rights do you have? I mean, what entitlement do you have? You have a right to what? Well, what about before God? When you stand before God, what rights do you have to demand of God? Look what the Bible says. But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? What he describes there is God as a potter and you as a lump of clay. And he says, do you have any right to challenge God at all about anything? Do you have any rights? Honestly, do you before God? No. You don't. I don't. He's God. You know, when I talk about this sometimes, people, people are upset because of hard things or bad things that have happened in their life. You know, my child died or this. But you know, he's still God. If my child dies, God is still God. If I lose my health and I die from COVID, He's still God. If America falls, He's still God. That doesn't change. And I don't have any right to challenge Him. I did find one verse, though, that talks about rights that we have before God. 
One verse. Now, there may be others, and if there are, you can let me know, but I found one, and that's in John chapter 1. He said this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. You have the right, if you will receive Jesus Christ, to become a child of God. What a right. You know, when I travel and go to different places around the world, I have rights because I carry an American passport. And I have some rights as an American citizen. But I want to tell you there's nothing like the right of being a child of the almighty creator of the universe, God. But I want you to notice about this right. Notice this word right there. He gave the right. It's not an inalienable right. It's not an inherent right. It's not something you have because you're a human and you have the dignity. It's not all of that. It's God gave you this right if you'll accept His Son. But other than that, what about rights with each other? We know we don't have rights before God other than the right to be His child. What about rights with each other? What about rights in this world that we live in, at our jobs or at our, with our friends or at school? What kind of rights do we have there? You know, I was thinking about this, and you could, this could go on and on and on, but I've got a list of rights that I came up with. I have a right not to lose my retirement, don't I? My business. I've worked hard. I've saved that. I've been diligent. I've been careful with my money. I hadn't been wasteful. And I've built it. I've got a right not to lose that. Don't I? Or, I've got a right to good health care. I mean, why on earth should I not be able to get good health care because I'm not a celebrity? Don't I have a right to good health care? Don't I have a right to use my money how I want to? Yancey talked about the fact that we're going to... Uh, uh, give some money to a needy cause and he said you know if you want to do that you can write a check and you have a right to do that and you have a right not to don't you you have a right to go you know what I ain't helping them I'm gonna spend my money on Starbucks coffee whatever it is that you have a right to you've got that right do you have a right to live where you want could you live anywhere you want you have that right you have a right to vengeance to get justice, there's a lot of that. We want justice right now. I have a right to justice. Do you have a right to be appreciated? That's a big one, isn't it? You know what I do for them? And they don't appreciate They act like they deserve it. I have a right to be appreciated. A right to be treated well by others who proclaim Christ. You know, I have a right for you not to talk to me on Facebook the way some of those posts were. Right? Have a right not to do something if it makes you uncomfortable. That's a big one in America today right now, huh? If it makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to do that. You've got a right not to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. You've got a right to be offended. I have a right to, and I have a right to not be offended because I have a right for you not to offend me, right? I've got a right not to be persecuted. We hear a lot nowadays about Christianity, and I, bl I believe persecution is on its way. I believe it's already here in some, some form. 
We have a right to not be persecuted as Christians. You know, America was founded as a Christian nation. We have rights here. What about all these rights? Did Jesus have a right to good health care? Did Jesus have a right to live anywhere He wanted or get vengeance? Did He have a right to be appreciated for the things that He was doing? Did He have a right to be treated well? Did He have a right not to have to do things that made Him uncomfortable? Did He have a right not to be offended? Did Jesus have a right not to be persecuted? If anyone ever had the right for those things, it was Jesus. You know, you know well if you've read your Bible, you know the Bible says when he was reviled, he didn't revile again. Even though he had a right, he didn't. He didn't reach out to that. You know, are any of these things really rights? I would say no, they're not rights. They're preferences. They're really strong preferences. They're what I really, really want. But do I have a right to these things? Well, what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say? You know, interestingly enough, I expected when I put this sermon together, when I first started studying, to go, well, nope, you ain't got no rights. And that's the way I could, could stand. But that's really not what we find in Scripture. You know, the Bible says when we become a Christian, we become Christ's servant. You need to do what God tells you to do anytime He tells you exactly the way He tells you. You have no right to do otherwise in any situation. You have no right to do anything different than what God would have you do in any situation because you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. He purchased us with His blood. That's what we do here. We call it communion. We commemorate that. Do you know what it means to be purchased? I know slavery. I read the other day that uh, the powers that be that control the terminology for computers are going to eliminate the word slave. They've always talked about some drives being main drives and other master drives and slave drives. They're going to remove all of that terminology because the word slave is offensive and we can't use it. You know what? We're slaves to Christ as a Christian. We should all be slaves to Jesus Christ. He bought me. I owe Him everything. And I don't have the right to do what I want to do. I don't have the right to stand on my own two feet, my own way. That's the, the, the American way, but it's not the Christian way. The Christian way is to submit to Jesus. Do I have any biblical rights? Yes, you do. The Bible says rulers and their people owe each other certain things. It says husbands and wives owe each other certain things. It says parents and children owe each other certain things. It says bosses and workers owe each other certain things. It says citizens and governments owe each other certain things. The Bible says that. The Bible is very clear that God holds us accountable to give others their due. He plainly says that in many, many places. And we've got scripture references up here on the board. 
God does say that these are rights. But the important thing that I learned out of this is that the Bible focus is never on what is owed to me, but it is always on what I owe others. It's never my right, Kent, for you to treat me a certain way. What it always is, is Michael, you better treat Kent a certain way. And to you, it's never Kent going, Michael, my right is for me to, you to do this to me. No. But what it is, is Kent, your responsibility is to treat Michael a certain way. Does that make sense? I'm using Kent because he's right here and he's convenient. This is true for all of us. Yes, we have obligations. And people, my wife is supposed to treat me a certain way. God says that. But God takes care of that. I'm His slave. I'm His servant. He's the master. And He's the one who takes care of that. I don't demand that. He demands that. What He demands from me is how I treat her. And all of Christianity is about that. And it doesn't matter what you say to me on Facebook or Twitter. It doesn't matter what political position you take. I am still required by God to treat you with dignity and respect and honor. Because that's what God commands me to do. Consider this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I want to make a confession to you. Man, I keep catching that. I want to make a confession to you. I hate masks. I hate them. They make my glasses fog up when I wear them. I hate masks. And for when this was all first beginning and all, I didn't wear a mask because I'm pretty sure I had it back in March and I'm immune, so I'm not going to catch anything anyway. So, and I'm not going to infect anybody because I've already had it and I'm immune. So why worry about it, right? I hate masks. Is it my right to not have to wear a mask? I don't know. That's a big question. I hear really strong opinions both ways. And I hear people saying, basically, if you won't wear a mask, you're a homicidal maniac and you're going to kill people and your grandma's going to die because people are narcissistic just like you are. And then on the other hand, I hear people going, you know what, this is America and I can do anything I want to do. And nobody's going to make me wear a mask. And I want you to know both of those attitudes are shameful. The scriptures are very plain that I put other people's needs in front of my needs. I put other people's desires in front of my desires. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus put other people's desires in front of His. It mattered more to Him what was good for me than what was good for Him. Look at this one. When we who are strong ought to bear, the, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. We watched a, a movie um, 
Anne Frank, The Diary of Anne Frank. Any of y'all ever seen or read that book? She was a, a Jewish girl, and her family was in hiding from the Nazis for, you know, several years. And right before the end of the war, they caught them, and she died in a concentration camp. But the, she wrote a diary while she was in there, and she talked about all these things. And they, they were hiding in this this building up behind a bookcase they had a door behind this bookcase and they were hiding in there and they had another family that was hiding with them and this kid had a cat this kid from this other family this teenage boy had a cat a kitty cat but it it made noise and it knocked things over and and we were watching that and I told Carrie I said Ooh! You know, that cat is going to get them caught. Maybe it did. I don't know how. Nobody knows exactly how they got caught. But the problem is, in a situation like that, either you've got to just save yourself or you're going to invite someone else in with you and they're going to do something dumb and get you caught. And so I'm not willing to bring somebody else in with me because they're going to do something dumb. This says, we who are strong ought to bear with the weak. You know what? Some people are in financial trouble because they've made dumb mistakes. Is that my right to step on them then? Is it my right to dismiss their need then? Well, you wouldn't be in that spot if you hadn't wasted your money on cable and cigarettes, right? And so we just dismiss their need? That's not right. It's not what God teaches. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. You see, Jesus humbled himself and became a servant when he was here, even though he was the master. He washed the feet of his disciples. Or look at this one. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Listen, I don't like the direction of politics in America any better than you do. But so they end up persecuting us for doing good. What does God say? He says it's commendable to Him if you take it patiently and suffer at the hands of people who are unjust. That's commendable to God. If you suffer for what you've done wrong, there's no benefit in that. But there's commendation from God if you're willing to patiently endure persecution from people because you do good. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's the way He lived. And this one. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? Now there specifically, this really gets ugly because he's talking about you being cheated by a fellow Christian. And what was happening is some, some of them were cheating others and they were going to court over it. And he said, really? You're going to go to court against your brother in the Lord? Why do you not just accept that he cheated you and allow yourself to be defrauded? Well, I know my rights. You can't tell me that I have to take that. They shouldn't do that. No, they shouldn't. But here's what the Bible says. 
This is what God says. He says we endure wrongfully, we accept wrong, and we allow ourselves to be cheated instead of standing up and fighting for what we call our rights. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. In all these cases, that's what Jesus did. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean to us in a practical way? Well, I've got a couple of things I want to share with you as we close. The greatest command is to love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. That's the greatest command. The second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus described that. He explained that by saying you even love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you. You do good to those who do evil to you. That's not like everyone else. That's not like the world you live in. The world you live in doesn't do good to people who do evil to them. It doesn't pray for those who persecute them. But it's angry and it's hostile toward them. And a lot of so-called Christianity is not this way. So some practical things. Number one, people are not idiots just because they disagree with you even on serious matters. That's just true. They're just not idiots just because they disagree with you. You know what? Some of you have known me a long time. Probably no one here longer than Danny. Danny's known me since I was a teenager. And if we were to talk about it, I'm sure he could tell you some of the boneheaded things I used to believe and I used to think when I was young. And I've changed my mind about those things. I'll admit I know we're boneheaded. <laughs> I've changed my mind about, okay? I really disagree with myself from back then, but you know what? My teenage self or my late teenage self would have thought this self was an idiot because I disagreed with him. People aren't idiots just because they disagree with you. Don't treat them like they're an idiot because they take a different political position or a different position on COVID or a different position on... on any of these issues we've talked about. Because I don't assume they're idiots, don't speak evil to them or of them, even on Facebook. Don't engage in that stuff. That's shameful. As a Christian, we should not run someone else down ever, even on social media. The Bible's very plain about us speaking evil of our brother. Don't allow yourself to think evil of other people. People may say stuff you really don't like. In fact, they may be evil people. There are evil people in this world. They may hate the Christ that you love and serve. But don't allow yourself to think evil of them. Pray for them. Seek their salvation. Seek their repentance and their change. You know, the worst enemy Christianity ever had became the Apostle Paul. Seek for their change. Don't seek for their punishment. Don't seek for their, their humiliation. Never, ever follow a crowd to do evil. I'll tell you, I understand the desire to support fellow Christians. But don't follow a crowd to do evil. Don't go out and march in some march with the intent of making some political statement 
and then do something evil while you're out there because that's what the crowd does. Don't hold up signs supporting things that Christians don't support just because you want to be supportive of, of people who have really genuinely suffered wrongs. Don't do those things. Now, I'm not saying you can't go somewhere where there's a political rally. What I am saying is don't follow a crowd to do evil. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay just because you're trying to be supportive of, of people that you think highly of. It's never, ever right to follow a crowd to do evil. Be careful what you align yourself with and what you associate with. As a Christian, it matters what you do. As a Christian, the things you say and the things you align yourself with have repercussions. They say things that you might say, well, I don't mean that. You know, one of my favorite things on Facebook is where somebody will post an article and people react to that article and then they'll react by going, well, I didn't say that. I just posted the article for you to think about. That's just a passive-aggressive way of having plausible deniability. Don't do that. Don't align yourself with something that you as a Christian, that Christ would not align with. Always speak truth. I felt like it was important to say this here because my point is not that you should just shut up and not speak truth. That's not my point. You should always speak truth. But you speak it with love. You speak it with kindness. You speak it with reasonableness. And yes, you can speak truth on Facebook or Twitter. But you speak it with kindness, with, with the character of Jesus Christ. And not with anger. Never put your own preference above what Christ commands. I know your preference may be to have an arsenal with 500 million rounds of ammunition and 400 automatic weapons so you can defend yourself against the people who are coming. But really, is that, is that what Christ wants you to do? Christ tells you to love your enemies, not shoot them. Now, this isn't an anti-gun statement. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a gun in your home to protect yourself. What I am saying is that we as Christians should be in a spiritual war, not a physical war. And we don't ever put our own preferences above what Jesus Christ commands us to do in any situation. And finally, never put your own preferences above your love for other people. No matter what you prefer, don't treat other people bad because your preferences are different. Always love other people. The number one and two commands are these last two right here. You love God, number one, and you love people, number two. And if we will be motivated and directed by that and guided by that, we'll do that. Now, I am fully aware that some of this will fall on deaf ears to some people. I'm also fully aware this may agitate some people to hear this. And I'm fully aware I could be wrong about something that I've said. But I want to ask you, don't think about me and don't think about your positions, but think about what the Bible says. Think about what God means when he says, love God first and love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? And act that way in good conscience the best you can. We as Christians are in a time that 
We're going to have opportunities that are different. They're not going to be the same. Our days of youth meetings and all those kinds of things, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get back to those. But I do know this. There are people right now who are watching so-called Christians, and that would be you and me. They're watching us, and they're seeing how we act and how we react. And there are people who are looking at this world and going, man, this is a mess. What do we do? And there are people who will be open now who have never been open to Christianity before. Yes, there are people who will walk away today. But in a time like this, it purifies the church, and there are people with good hearts who want to know. And if we can keep our focus on what matters and not get all caught up on the political issues and the social issues, but instead get caught up in the hearts and service to God and changing people where they want to be servants of His, we can make a big difference. We can touch a lot of people. We can make this world a different place and a better place in many, many ways if we'll do those things. And that's my encouragement to you today. I pray that uh, you'll take these thoughts in the spirit in which they've been given. If you have a matter to bring before the church, we're going to offer an invitation song. If you're watching, find someone spiritual that you can talk to about your issue. And uh, you could call elders of the church here or somewhere else. And uh, make, your, make yourself right with God. And, and the last thing I want to say about this is if any of these things you've listened to, you've gone, yeah, I probably could do better at that. Then do better at that. Okay? Just decide you're going to do better at that. You're going to change. You're going to be more what, recti- what represents Jesus Christ in this world. At this time, we'll stand and have a song of invitation.